So here's a great question. How does one receive the Holy Spirit? Well, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing just how someone is saved in Galatians chapter 3. So get out your Bibles and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, hello, my friends. Glad to be with you guys here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast, where, as you know, this is a place where we grow in our faith together as we stand strong in the Word. And if you think about it, I mean, I think about this a lot, obviously, uh, hence the name of the podcast when I record these episodes is, man, could you imagine if we did not have the Bible? I mean, recently when I was in my church, and I love my dear friend, my pastor uh, was talking about one of our missionaries, who's also a friend of mine, whose job is to travel the world and help make sure that people receive the word of God in their language, in their native tongue. And so he was just showing recently some pictures that our friend from on the mission field had been, had been sending our church reporting about, hey, check this out. This tribe had just received the New Testament in their language for the very first time. I don't know how long they have been working on the project to get that done, but could you imagine, I mean, what that would feel like? But you also think, man, we are so spoiled. We're so blessed to have access to the Bible in so many different forms and so many different ways, so many different platforms and how much in our lives, mainly, again, if you have access to podcasts and you're listening on your iPods, uh, or your iPods on your AirPods, and you're listening to it in your car or on your computer, or your laptop, then you have access to the Bible in so many ways that the vast majority of the world does not have. And think about how that has been such a blessing to us, you guys, and how much we have grown in our faith as a result of having the Bible in our lives. And so please uh, just take heed to that. And so as we study together, let's just be thankful. Let's just pray right now. Lord, thank you that we have this opportunity to study Galatians. And Lord, as we get into this, and, and we can listen to the Bible uh, in this way as well, not just opening it or clicking it on our iPod or iPad, but Lord, we just thank you, Lord, so much for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. First off, I have no idea why I keep saying iPod. But anyway, um, so let's now dive into Galatians chapter three. And the title for this chapter, Okay, so we'll have several episodes, probably, I think, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, actually, let me see. I'm going to pull it up right now. We have, it's probably going to be eight different episodes just in Galatians chapter three. Um, so get ready for, for, for that. But the title for Galatians three for the next few episodes is the righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall shall live by faith. Now, again, if you know your scriptures, you're going to see uh, that that is a play on of words that come from the scriptures themselves. In Habakkuk chapter 2, in Romans, and also in Galatians, they cite that phrase from Habakkuk. Now, in chapter 3, Paul appeals to the Galatians with intensity. Okay, we're going to see some major directness that Paul's going to be laying out. Now, if you have been with me up to this point, you know, in Galatians chapter two, all the way to the end, Paul basically is giving us a summation. He's laying out 
the argument that he gave Paul as to why we're not saved by works. Okay. And so as we look at verses one through five now, as he's in transition, he's going to be very direct. But what Paul's going to be doing in this chapter, okay, so we're going to go from, uh, we'll look at verses one through five to six through nine, all the way to the very end. But what we're going to see is that Paul makes the case that it is by grace through faith, not the law, that a person is saved. And so what he's going to do is he, in verses one through five today, and the question is, like I asked in the opening, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? That is going to be the fundamental question that Paul's going to answer. He's going to be talking about the salvation of the Galatians comes through grace, through faith, that we're indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is profound, you guys, because like I said, one is we are looking at Galatians as the first letter written no later than 8047. Some people have 8049. And I've gone back and forth, by the way. So if you've heard in some podcasts, I say 8049. I really, again, I just feel like today it's 8047. Um, I think the council in Acts 15 that Paul mentions, if you will, indirectly in Acts chapter two, I think the confrontation that he had, and again, I'm just giving you guys uh, just an, an update or just kind of uh, rehashing a few of these things that we've discussed in previous podcasts. But I believe that conversation that Paul's mentioning in Galatians two happened uh, prior to the council. So the, the council happened before AD 49-ish. Uh, then this letter is written about AD 47 to Galatia, to the Christians in Galatia. Uh, remember, there was a southern and a northern part of Galatia. And, uh, you know, he gets very direct with them because, as we know, the Judaizers, the people who were of the law, they were buying into this. But this is so important. I was going to say this a minute ago. This is so important because nobody has articulated the Holy Spirit about what Paul's about to do right now. Okay. This is like, this is original. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring and using Paul to articulate new, tr- uh, new found truths, okay? This, this is when he talks about Ephesians 3, that he has been given the gift to reveal the mystery of God's grace. Uh, th- this is where we see it, okay? Now, with that being said, let's jump right into this as we're getting into here on podcast 168. As always, go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. You also see we're going to be uh, updating new videos. I just, as I'm recording this in studio, I just got off uh, an interview with a good friend of mine, Dr. Frank Turek, for my new podcast that I'm rolling out with Christian Post, which is going to be on edify.app, so you can download their app. Uh, but it'll also be on all the different platforms. So wherever you get Stand Strong in the Word, uh, you're also going to be seeing very shortly coming out as I'm recording this in October of 2021. So you will be able to get that podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So look forward to that. And it will also be available on standstrongministries.org. And again, uh, if you want me to come speak at your church, if you're a pastor listening and you want a Christian apologist to come to be able to defend the faith, you can check out all my information on standstrongministries.org. Love to be a part of whatever God is doing in your community. Books are also there. Uh, articles that I uh, publish also with Christian Post is available. All right, so with that being said, let's, let's jump right in to verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to or turn on to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And again, we're answering the question, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Now notice, again, as I was saying with the intensity and directness, right off the bat here, Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians. Okay, so literally in the English, he says, you guys are stupid from deadness. All right. So 
he's not insulting them, but he's saying it's so profoundly foolish for you guys to be injecting the law based on what salvation is, coming to Christ as your Lord and Savior, knowing that Christ fulfilled the law, but nowhere in his teachings that we know of, who defeated sin and death, rose from the dead, appeared to us, taught us, you're having some creeds coming out, right? In gatherings and reading the Jewish scriptures and seeing how Christ fulfilled them. He's saying, he says, you guys have been bewitched. He literally says, okay, so you're, you're, you guys, there's stupidity in you guys from deadness. Like it, it, you're, you're not just dumb. There's a deadness to you. What, you're, what you believe is completely uh, nonsensical. And he says, you've been bewitched. Literally, you've been deceived by crafty means. And he's posing the question to them, who has bewitched you, he asks. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Keep that in mind, because that's a very eloquent way of stating the death and resurrection of Jesus, by the way. And we'll touch on that. Verse two, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Great question. Notice the next question. Are you so foolish? Verse three, having, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Notice these questions that he keeps posing, you guys. Verse four, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? That's another question. And then final verse, verse five, does he who supplies, that literally in the Greek means to provide for the chorus, so does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So what we're basically going to be doing is, and hence if you notice, I made the title of this particular portion of scripture in verses one through five with a question based on the fact that Paul in this whole section is asking tons of questions. The first question here is, who has tricked you? Who's bewitched you is a question he asks. So after clearly proclaiming, right? If you go back in Galatians chapter one and two, clearly proclaiming and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Galatians, Paul now surprised by the fact that the Galatians are willing to turn away from the grace they received and, and that they're willing to not, remember, they're not completely abandoning it. They're saying it's both and. We need to have this and we need to have the law. We need to uh, obey and follow Christ's teachings and see that he was the Messiah. But we need to do that as observance unto the law. Now, Chuck Swindoll says this, Galatians, he says, exhibits Paul at his angriest as he risked the good favor of the converts in those churches to make sure they were on the path of truth and not led off into deception. So this is important, you guys, because he's not coming off rudely. Think about a father who is protecting their children and is willing to step in there. And, and as a father for, I, I, I get this. Even as a pastor, when I've had people try to abuse physically or verbally, uh, you step in between. Or someone who's being led astray or buying a lie and you know it's not good for them. All right, you, you will come with, uh, uh, or in this case, as Swindoll is saying, you will exhibit a form of anger, of righteous indignation. And, and you will take a risk at times because you don't know how people will always respond. But it was in good favor, okay, because of his love. He's not trying to deceive them. And, and think about the frustration when you have somebody who ripped you off. Or, you know, I remember one time my grandmother was ripped off by somebody. She was listening to one of those televangelists. 
and she was writing checks to them. And I just remember how upset I was because she's on a fixed income and she's trying to support, you know, the work of the Lord. And she's thinking this is the work of the Lord. And I was like, grandma is not. I had to show her why it took a while. But again, there was a righteous indignation there. So that's what Paul's demonstrating here. So this, this word, this phrase, who's bewitched you, Paul, he's calling out the Galatians for being fooled into believing a perverted gospel, okay? And their lack of obedience to the true, the truth of Jesus Christ's gospel presentation, right? Remember, Jesus is the gospel. It's not just a message. He is. The gospel is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And so they're using the person of Christ, but they're perverting his message along the way, okay? So think about how people identify with an, an individual. And then they just take them out of context. And that's certainly what they're doing here. Now, as I mentioned, this phrase here is very eloquent. He says, he says, remember, your own eyes have seen Jesus Christ who was publicly portrayed. Literally in Greek, it carries the idea of being evident that was set forth. Okay, so they have tangibly, if you will, have seen evidentiary facts to the public death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it was undeniable. Now, the Bible knowledge commentary in response to this phrase, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, writes this. Paul had vividly and graphically proclaimed the crucified Christ to the Galatians, yet their eyes had been diverted from the cross to the law. They were without excuse. So that's how um, the Bible knowledge commentary responds to uh, this. And, I, and this is important because it's not like Galatians is about trying to prove to them the death and resurrection of Christ. No, he, they know it. And so what Paul is doing here is he's pointing out that the Galatians knew Christ was crucified for their sins and that he physically and bodily rose again, defeating sin and death. Okay, so that's not um, what's on trial here. What's on trial and what he's trying to do is persuade these people to not follow something that's adding to the gospel message. That they're following a perversion of the gospel that runs contrary to the very gospel that Paul was preaching to them. Remember, go back to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul said, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. So we know, and this is something, Paul, and I love this as a pastor and refer to it often and have trained and taught people. And, and again, as, as, as my standard, Paul, when preaching the gospel, did not take advantage of the people that were helping him do it or funding him in support of him delivering the gospel. And so Paul, right off the bat in his first letter says, this is not a mess that comes from me. This is not man's words. Verse 12 of Galatians 1, remember he said, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously people will twist and take this now um, in their own ventures in their own platforms in their own ministry and said i've received a revelation of jesus christ just like paul did now it may not be as extensive historically if you will as joseph smith who received a, a revelation from the angel moroni and other appearances of jesus christ himself and then later writes the book of mormon and other uh, literatures that came uh, forthcoming you know that fed into the mormonism doctrine but paul was letting people know that this was not his doing. This is a word that comes from Jesus Christ himself. Now, notice in verse two, and he says, let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? I love this question because in, in verses two through five here, Paul uses an ancient method of argumentation. And this is, a, this again, this is all, he's not throwing out questions because he's upset. This is very methodical. This was a method that was done uh, an ancient time of, of, of pro providing basically was known as contrasting of opposites. 
And so that's what he's doing is he's saying, okay, so the contrast here is does the works bring the spirit or does, uh, or through the law, right? Does, does the spirit come through the works of the law or does it come by hearing of faith? So that's contrasting opposites saying, show me the proof of the spirit coming from working the law, living it out, right? Being under the law uh, versus the spirit comes through hearing with faith. So he's doing this to make the case against the Galatians. Okay, so he's challenging them by asking these rhetorical questions about the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And these are great questions because at the heart of it, you guys, how does one receive the Holy Spirit? And, and so Paul's doing this by giving a sharp contrast between the works of the law and hearing God's word. So this phrase here, how does one you know, receive the Spirit? So Jesus, remember, if you go back, because this is what scripture taught, this, is, this comes from directly from the mouth of Jesus. And this is already being disseminated by the 12 disciples. He promised the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell his children. He said this in the upper room. If you go back to John chapter 14, verses 6, 16 through 17, also when you go through the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul will later talk about this in Romans 8, 9, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. But the Holy Spirit indwells a person because they freely accept the gift of salvation by faith. You know, Paul will later write in Titus chapter three, verses three through seven, he says, for we ourselves were once foolish. I think he's still picking up back to what he wrote to the Galatians because he's using the term foolish. He asked, he says, you guys are being foolish for believing this lie. Later, as he's writing to Titus, before he is beheaded, Paul that is, in mid 80s, he says, for we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray. We we're slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hated one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So notice the Galatians, he's saying, when you take the totality of the Pauline epistles, uh, the answer as, he's, as he's, he's challenging them here with his argumentation, as he will later articulate in other letters, he's telling all of us, you guys, that we do not receive the Spirit by fulfilling the law. It's not through the good that we have within ourselves to, or, or what we accomplish in the good, right, to make us receive the Spirit. No, it's by putting our faith in Christ as our Savior. Because when he refers to the works of the law, Paul categorized a term here in the Greek. The Greek phrase here for the works of the law is argon nomoia. And it literally means to capture specific laws that require to be saved according uh, to the Judaizers. So the primary of these laws that a Judaizer was to keep was to be circumcised, right? That's the primary law is to be circumcised because of Abraham, right? The circumcision that took place. And so what they're, they're saying is, you know, if you follow specific laws that are required and how you observe them, the spirit will come upon you. No, right? Categorically, that's false. It's hearing by faith. And here Paul's referring to the obedience to the faith. Quite literally, it means the hearing that is accompanied by faith. So you have faith in what Jesus has done. And he's promised us in John 14, 16, and 17 that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. He will indwell us at one point. And so later in Romans 10, verse 17, remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
That's how one receives the Holy Spirit. And so the moment of, of, of conversion, the moment of salvation that one receives is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The moment you and I are indwelt, going back to the regeneration of the, of the Holy Spirit, we see of the renewal of the Holy Spirit in Titus 3, verse 5. The Bible says, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ our Savior. So we believe in that. And so therefore we're justified by his grace that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's how one receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in theology, this is in proper theology, here's a great way for you guys to understand. If you can try to take a moment, whatever you're doing, to visualize this. Uh, this is what we teach in theology, that there's the positional sanctification, there's the progressive sanctification, and then there's the ultimate sanctification. So let me quickly just break it down as we're answering the question, how does one receive the Holy Spirit? So we know it's the moment of conversion when someone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, the positional sanctification, so the moment one is saved, we say they're justified by faith. That means, ju- so that's justification. The past penalty of sin is done, okay? We've been made new. So the old man is passed, the new man has come. Now, there's the progressive sanct- sanctification. So that is sanctification in and of itself where we are currently at. So we know that we are living in a fallen world. We know we live in a body of death and we know that Satan, our enemy is active and he comes to kill, steal and destroy. So there's the present power of sin that we have to uh, defeat on a daily basis. We have to overcome on a daily basis. Then will come the ultimate sanctification, which is glorification. So we go from sanctification being set free of our sin. We're indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, doing the, we're, we're living the process of sanctification as we're trying to become more like Christ each and every day. But we are awaiting glorification where the future presence of sin will no longer be, right? So we're saved from the past penalty. We're dealing with present power of sin, but then the future presence uh, you know, of sin being done away with, uh, it, that is what we hope for one day. Again, where there will be no more sin and there will be no more death. So here now in verse three, he says, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now in the Greek, this literally means that phrase, are you trying to attain your goal by human effort? All right, what a great way to put it. So Paul here, he's, asked a, he's asking a second rhetorical question by revealing how antithetical the law and grace are to one another. So what he's doing here is he's saying, listen, you guys, it is the Holy Spirit who raises a person from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerates someone um, out of their death, regenerates their spirit, makes it, a, makes it a new. And so salvation is not through maintaining the law by observing it. No, it's attained by faith. And so as a Christian, we're saved by grace through faith for good works, not do good works to be saved, to continue to do good works. And if you stop doing good works, then you lose your salvation. When you go back in scripture, we're told in the same letter in Galatians 1, 4, if we go back, Paul said, Jesus who gave himself for our sins, why? To deliver us from the present evil age. Okay? Not the law. It's what Jesus delivered us. The law doesn't deliver us. The law condemns us. We'll see that later in Galatians 3. He also said in chapter 2, 19 through 21, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. So when we become Christians, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are not under the law. We're freed from the law. We die to it 
so that we might live. And of course, a famous passage in Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, Paul writes. For, catch this, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That's huge. Now, this phrase perfected by the flesh, I love what the IVP New Testament commentary writes in response to this. They say, quote, the meaning of the phrase observing the law or the perfected by the flesh is further clarified by the reference to human effort. Actually, human effort is the NIV translation of the word flesh in this verse, which the ESV, ESV says as well. The commentary continues to say, at the end of the letter, Paul tells the Galatian believers that the intruders in their churches want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. That's something Paul says, by the way, later in Galatians 6, verse 13. The IVP commentary continues to say that in that reference, flesh refers to circumcised flesh. In other words, the intruders want to be able to boast that the Gentile believers have become Jews. So in the light of this understanding of flesh in verse 3, observing the law refers principally, though not exclusively, to circumcision of the flesh and other practices that serve as marks of Jewish identity. Paul is saying that it is not necessary to take on a new racial or cultural identity in order to experience the Spirit, end quote. So in essence, and that's why I really like what they had to say, because I believe that's what he's saying is when a Gentile is then circumcised to observe the law, they may, in the eyes of a Jewish person, be circumcised, in some cases be baptized, but that's about it. They're, They're not receiving the spirit because they take on a new racial or cultural identity. But many of people were believing this, you guys. But the reality is the flesh is weak. The flesh is ungenerated. Uh, No one is able to save themselves from the bondage of sin. You break one law, you break them all. We're going to see that later. And no number of attempts to follow the law can make a person perfect because the law is incapable of saving people. So you cannot be perfected by the flesh. Far from it. So then Paul says again, this other rhetorical question. This is the fourth, uh, uh, or I should say this is Paul putting forth a third rhetorical question. Did you suffer? so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. So what Paul is doing here, through the experiences in the Spirit, Paul's saying, okay, Galatians, you guys have enough experience as a newfound Christian that when you guys came to Christ, again, you knew that the law had nothing to do with your salvation. So why would you then apply the law to further your salvation, to grow in your salvation? And so when you look at the fourth rhetorical question here in verse 5, In a series of questions, did you have any proof that the miracles performed around you are in connection to the works of the law? So Paul's reminding the Galatians that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So not only are we indwelt, and please, uh, my dear friends, listen to this. Not only are we indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we see the effects, we see the power of the Spirit uh, performing miracles that are occurring in, in our lives, in the lives around us. So they may happen to us directly at times, but we also could be witnesses of miracles happening with people um, outside of our lives. And so we see them directly um, in the lives of other people as well. And, and again, this is not because they fall, they're following the letter of the law. 
So that's it, you guys. In essence, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? It's through putting our faith and trust. We are justified by faith because we put our faith and trust in the free gift of Jesus Christ that gives us, as we're told in Scripture, eternal life. And we receive that inheritance. It's nothing, we don't receive the Spirit on anything that we uh, try to do on our own merit because as Paul says, we're not perfected in the flesh. So I pray that has been a huge uh, blessing to you guys and clarifying in some cases what this text has to say. Now on the next episode, we're going to be looking at how is then Abraham saved? And we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter three, verses six through nine. So I can't wait to be diving into that with you guys on our next podcast. So thank you guys once again for taking the time with me as we go into scripture exegetically, study it verse by verse, look at the Greek. Hopefully this helps you guys as you prepare and study the Bible on your own. That gives you guys proper ways to be able to study the Bible. And by the way, um, as I close out this podcast, want to remind all my listeners out there that you can go to standstrongministries.org if you're struggling on how to study the Bible. I have a great resource for you. You can, you can purchase my book, Stand Strong in Your Faith, and I teach you how you can properly study the Bible, have a game plan put in place. So I love you guys, and I will see you on the next episode. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.